Zwei Dinge sind unendlich, die Dummheit und das All. Kein die 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 nur die die überall. Mehr die 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 um die 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 Hi, welcome to I Don't Hate This, the Avantist Guard podcast. I'm Nina Lidoff. Hello, mein Name Oh, fuck. <laughs> <laughs> Brauchst du Hilfe? Einmal. Hallo, mein Name ist Sigmar Polka und dies ist meine Funkausstellung Ich hasse nicht das. Hello. That was not. Ich, ich heiße Sigmar Polka uh, und ich bin tot. <lacht> du hast recht. Du hast mich. Um, that, that just said, hello, I'm, I'm Sigmar Polka and this is my radio exhibition. I don't hate this. Ausstellung means exhibition. Did yeah. you yeah. say that? Yeah, I said. I couldn't even I said understand funk, what you were Funk Ausstellung because funk is radio and I think that's the coolest thing <laughs> in German. That's pretty good. This is a funky radio show, so it really fits. Welcome to a, an extra funky edition of this. I don't hate it. And then he also said that I'm Sigmar Polka and I'm dead, which is also true. Yes. Yeah. You didn't know you're going to have to speak German to listen to this podcast, but you do. Uh, the, I, well, I was told this entire episode would be conducted auf Deutsch. <laughs> Mein Deutsch ist nicht ganz perfekt ah. to make a radio show in. I, for example, <laughs> didn't know the word for radio in German, so I'm glad that I know that now. Well, I look, because they have, they have radio towers and they're called Funktorms. <laughs> That's, yeah. Okay, so as you may have guessed that uh, we, we are here today to talk about Sigmar Polka. Uh, and his exhibition, which was at MoMA uh, and is currently on view at the Tate Modern in uh, or the Tate Modern in London town. Um, and we'll be moving next to Cologne or Cologne for you English yeah. speaking people. The well, so it's the home of Cologne, the fragrance thing, but it's also the home of Kulsch, which is a cold beer. <laughs> A beer served cold. Of course, it has an umlaut in it. Yeah, cool. which is the two dots. Yeah. Anyway, I'll be at, um, what's the name of the museum here? Museum Ludwig in Köln. Okay, go on. Um, do you ever think, <laughs> you know how when you have the two dots over the U, it looks like a smiley face? <laughs> it depends on what font it is, I yeah, guess. Yeah, I guess it depends on the U. It depends <laughs> on you. Ew. You mean it depends on you? Okay. This this is the nerdiest thing we've ever done in a long a long history of nerd. We're not saying like on the podcast, we mean ever. Ever. Okay. So before we get started, um we have a Christopher Williams update. Which will probably be a long recurring segment because I can't shut up about with Christopher Williams, in case you couldn't tell. Yes. I couldn't. <laughs> Um, so we still haven't figured out if there's another venue. I swear to God, I saw a photograph of a yellow, red, and a green catalog. But maybe they just wanted to print that so it would In just Germany. be a nice trifecta of colorful yeah. catalogs. But then it makes this weird... Yeah, so anyway, that's that's to TBD. be determined. TBD. We're still, we're still working on it. Um, but according to the David Zwerner inst- Instagram... Christopher Williams opens at DZNY 19th Street on Thursday, November 6th. 
Um, and two people like, no, 249 people like it. And two people made comments that are irrelevant. Um, so if you're out there, go, go check it out. And I wonder if Christopher Williams will be there. It could be like a creepy stalker for him. Oh, yeah. Like everywhere I go, be like, is Christopher Williams, excuse me. Like those fans that show Williams up here? at, uh, uh, sci-fi conventions and they're just, I'm going to see James doing everywhere. He played Scotty. He's also tote. What if I he what did, if I dressed like Christopher Williams? <laughs> oh man, why didn't anybody did if if you went Why wasn't went, I Christopher Williams for Halloween? If you went as Christopher Williams or as a camera or as a hand model, please send us your photographs to Christopher Williams is cool at uh I can't that's a bad fake email address. Um <laughs> No, but really do that. Send it to I don't hate this at gmail.com. I don't hate this. I don't hate this at gmail.com. No apostrophe because they don't let that. Um, Speaking. Oh, there's more Christopher Williams. So in the Christopher Williams photograph, it's a it's a weird cropped image of an old style suitcase with a label on it that might be sitting under a desk. And what really stuck out to me is it's this green um, American tourister. A uh, very specific, weird type of suitcase that actually my parents had matching sets, and my Ooh. mom had this exact green one, and so for many years I had that one until if, the handle fell off. What if? Oh, I was gonna say, what if Christopher Williams like found your mom's suitcase, and now it's like a piece? He did. Of he his. researched me. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's possible. I mean, we could definitely establish a, a thirty-six degrees of of Christopher Williams because I don't think he does anything that's closer than that in relation. <laughs> This is probably true. He's like, oh, that's too related. I need I need some more space. Okay. So the other thing is uh, we have a mailbag. Fan mail. Fan mail. <laughs> fan mail. Fan mail. <laughs> that's an oscillating that fan. That was a fan. Okay. So Joyce L. writes... She doesn't say where she's from. Because um, it's the internet. <laughs> Nobody knows where well, you're you all, from. You never, say, sorry, you never say the last name. And then you could get, who could this be? Joyce L. Is this James? No, that would be Joyce J. James J. Anyway. <laughs> James Joyce. Joyce. Could this be Joyce Lames? James? Okay, so Joyce L. writes to us, I listened to the second half of the podcast this afternoon. Congratulations to you both on the fine endeavor. Well, thank you, Joyce. Uh, we hope you will join Joyce us for another episode <laughs> of Stop Podcast. Wait, no. <laughs> What's the name of our podcast? Oh my God, that's another podcast. Don't plug Don't other do people's no, podcasts. No, no, and that you should always refer to it as the Canadian podcast. Um, all right. So, I don't hate this. Do you do you I, want me to explain that fan mail at all? No, it was, no. It was good. Yeah. Well, the, it, I mean, it so send us itself. your fan mail. It explained yeah. it itself. Yeah. Um, thank you, Joyce. Thank you, Joyce. Okay, so moving along, um, we are going to talk about Sigmar Polka's uh, retrospective at the Museum of Modern Art. Uh, and as we just said, it's traveling, and uh, so we should actually talk about it now. Okay. <laughs> well, I, I would like I would like for you to start if if you don't mind. Me? Yes. Yeah. Okay. 
I ended up seeing this show twice because I was in New York and my dear friend Molly came with me to MoMA. We spent the whole day there and it was very in the one show. tiring. No, oh. <laughs> in MoMA generally because I had never been there before. So I had to see the whole permanent collection and all the special exhibitions, which were really good. And then I was on my way back to the airport and I had time to kill in Midtown. So I was like, I'm just going to I'm just going to go back. So this was on the same trip. It was on the same trip, but it wasn't the same day. So you saw it is is with a partner and then on your own. Yes. Do you find I prefer seeing things on my own if I'm actually like interested in knowing what the show's about and what's going on? How do you feel? I I would agree with that uh, most of the time. I think I really like having someone to talk to about stuff. And sometimes when I see a show or I'm seeing something i'll turn around and talk to the person behind me because i'm like can you believe this this well, is like so great yeah just i'll Whoa. start talking happen, to strangers did that happen in your second viewing of no that did not but you have a funny story of one of those times no the one time that sticks out in my mind is um it was at the Liechtenstein show at the art institute mm-hmm. um when we went the art history room he has a bunch of recreations of famous works from art history and sort of this pop art style and I just thought it was so great because I was like, this is so great. I recognize all these. Can you believe this? And I think it was the it was a recreation of Monet's Rouen Cathedral. Oh, yeah. And I just thought it was amazing. Um, those, because those are it was, amazing. Right. And in, in some ways is like pointillism, but it's, it's pop art, you know, bende dots. and. Well, it's in a halftone pattern. It's not even bende dots at yeah, that point. Yeah. It's actually very polka-esque. Yeah, I loved that work, and I just remember turning around to people and being like, "Isn't this so great? Look what he did!" Um, but I guess <laughs> I'm I, so glad they hung it up here for us to see it. Yeah, that's what <laughs> exhibitions are, and that's why art is so great. But I do, I actually guess really agree with you because whenever I go see an exhibition with someone else, I end up getting separated from them um, and looking at things on my own, and not being able sometimes if it's something really good. I, it's difficult for me to express why necessarily in that Mm -hmm. moment. I'll just be kind of reveling and like, wow, just wow. That was just wow. And the other person's like, do you want to explain it to me? Because they maybe don't know anything about art or, you know. Yeah. And that kind of can hurt that emotional experience. So pretend, pretend you are looking. Close your eyes. Go with me. Pretend Mm -hmm. you are in Sigmar Polka alibis 1963 to 2010 Mm. Mm. i'm there you're staring at an artwork and we are standing behind you (laughs) we are standing behind you Mm -hmm. staring at you staring at an artwork and suddenly you turn around and you exclaim what um okay well i have something i think i said to my friend because i was like that painting, now I don't remember the title. What does it look like? The, it's It was in the first room. It's huge. And it has, it's like a see-through canvas so you can see back to the stretchers. And it has a phrase written in German on it. Uh-oh. We supposedly marked this. I thought we found it. We did. It should be not that far. <laughs> Uh-oh. Say have, something. Kill some time. Well, I'll just explain that we have the catalog here. Um, and Sigmar Polka. Oh, there we go. There it is. Okay. Sigmar, so, oh, let me oh, finish explaining. Okay. Sigmar Polka's work is ex- 
extreme, extremely diverse. So it's difficult to be like, oh, you know, like that series of, you know, it, it, I needed a visual reference for this podcast because I won't be able to talk about the work because I probably won't remember visually most of it. Anyway, it's this huge painting. I mean, it's probably, wait, the the dimensions are probably (laughs) in the book. It's probably somewhere. I can't see through the microphone. It's probably at least 300 by 225 centimeters. That's, that's at not least. even helpful as an approximation. Oh. It's like seven feet tall. That, no. no. Oh, it is. Yeah. No, it's nine feet tall and seven feet wide. Ah, so I wasn't that far off. That's good. <laughs> oh, um, here, we can measure it. We have a tape measure. Uh, yeah. You can oh, yes. hear it. it oh, this okay, is a radio now with play. the tape measure. This is a radio play. Uh, it's determined. nine feet tall. Okay, no, so it's it even is taller. nine feet ten and one fourth inches tall. Whoa. Let me check with the other part of the tape measure. Okay. And seven by four and <laughs> uh seven the printing is really little. Seven feet by four and nine sixteenths inches. Okay, so that's more precise than anyone will ever care to know. Um, and it's but if we just said nine feet, you're like, well, yeah, it's big. It's, it's a really, it's feet. a really big painting. So anyway, and it's like you can, it's kind of has like fabric on one side and vellum on the other. It's constructed of synthetic resin and lacquer on polyester. Yeah, and you can see the stretcher bars behind it, and there's like a little drawing of some boxes, and then in the middle, in German in backwards it says Die Dinge sehen wie sie sind, which they translate to seeing things as they are. Which is totally not what that means. Okay, what does it mean? It says things look like what they are. Ah, so that brings us back to that conversation we were having. Uh, you, you, the things you paint look like the things that they look yeah, like. Yeah, exactly. That's what. So what I said to my friend, what I exclaimed when I turned around was, "That's like the. This is not the pipe." Of conceptual painting, <laughs> but Wait, that's you, really what the, that yeah. is meaning. It's saying this painting is what it looks like: resin on a stretcher. Yeah. Well, and it also goes back to the uh, there's this famously misremembered quote of Frank Stella when he was making his early paintings. Sorry, I just like breathe really pronounced. <laughs> Ex- uh. <laughs> Go on, start over. Just restart. <coughs> okay. Um, Frank Stella, in his early work, was making just these big paintings with lines, uh, you know, black paint, and then like a little bit of canvas left, and then another black line. And so it'd have these like white and black lines. And um, people were like, What's the deal with this? And he's like, What you see is what you see. Or he might have said, What you see is what you get. Or what you get is what you see. No one can agree on what the <laughs> the thing he said was. The essence but basically, is the same. He said was like the thing is the thing. Um, the paintings look like the things they look like. Yes. So that was a really good piece for you in the show. Yeah, it was, and it was right in the first room. Yeah. And it was really big, like I said, and I, yeah, I just remembered, and I I thought it was really good. And cool. that and that. Knowing German really helped me with that because the title doesn't tell you that in yeah. the translation. So I just immediately could be like, yes, I am with you, Sigmar Polka. I'm on the same wavelength. I am ready for this experience. 
Yeah, he does a lot of wor- word play. So there's like another drawing uh, that's like some sort of like paramecium peanut looking thing. And it's saying two things, which really struck me due to my employment situations, um, which says Venninger Arbeit. And then he also says Merlone, which translates to less work, more pay. <laughs> um, and I like that. So should we talk a little bit uh where he's from and yeah um so he's a he's born in 1941 and uh he and his family made made it finally to Dusseldorf uh kind of by way of West Berlin after the war um so he was sort of you know escaping the east um and at Dusseldorf is where he went to art school and met uh Gerhard Richter and other artists of the time, and I, he studied with Joseph Boys. Um, and there together, these him and Richter and Conrad Luke and uh, other artists whose names I should remember, but I don't. Um, they're also friends with Blinky Palermo and Imi Noble. Imi Noble, I don't know how you say that in German. I'm just this whole <laughs> listing. Like, I need a better artist name. Those artist names are Blinky Palermo. Are you kidding me? That is, like, the best artist name ever. I can't compete with that. Oh, oh, you you personally. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, okay, well, well, that's, like, a high bar. I told you should change your name to Nina Romanoff, because then I could also pronounce your last name. (laughs) And then I could pretend that I'm a descendant of the Romanoffs. Yeah, you're like, I am the daughter of Anna, who was mysteriously reappeared. But I'm not Russian any, well, I'm... Maybe from the part of Europe that was that Russia, was Russia at, some at some time. That was at the time of Russia. But we're Jewish, of the so Tsarinas. it was like basically not, you know, probably from a shtetl. But we're mostly Austrian. Oh, okay. So I don't know if that would work. We'll we'll come back to it. If anyone has any suggestions of what my new artist name oh, should yes. be, you can if send you, them please to please I don't write that this in at there, yeah. Um So anyway, back to Gert and Blinky. Because um, also at the time, uh, Gerhard Richter went by Gert. Which I Get. guess is like the nickname. That's like the Nick to Nicholas. Gertie. Gertie. Um, so they they were uh, students and they formed this. They were really into pop art and kind of stunned by the abundance of the West. Like even post-war Germany on the uh, capitalist side was quite plentiful in comparison to the uh, Deutsche Demokratische Republik of of the <laughs> communist Germany. Um. But he also painted really German stuff, as we see in the show, like yeah. like bars of chocolates and sausages. <laughs> <laughs> and in the catalog, they have this whole thing, like tracing the like uh, the chocolate, the trend of painting chocolate in German art. They're like, well, he painted these chocolates, and then of course Joseph Boys used a lot of chocolate. Should I say? Yeah, I mean, everyone in America says Joseph Boys. I like Joseph. Joseph. Brosif, <laughs> Brosif boys. Um, he, you know, his materials boys is known for, you know, his fat and his felt, but also he did a lot of stuff with chocolate. It's the land of chocolate. It what is, you yes, the land of chocolate. So then also uh, Dieter Roth, uh, who is Swiss, but was in Germany in and out of Germany. And I think he also lived in Copenhagen, perhaps. Um, he also used a lot of chocolate in his work. So the the exhibition catalog was sort of like, Chocolate. Chocolates. What's the deal with chocolates? I do remember there being sausages in the show. Yeah. Well, in that first area, so there's this great, like, sort of sign painter style 
painting of like a classic bar of chocolate that's like subdivided so you can snap it into easy mm. parts. Like Milka? Yes, I guess. I don't know. I don't you really don't know eat Milka? Much. No. I know you don't like sweets. I, I, yeah, I just had a few on Halloween. That was like our life when we were studying abroad in yeah. Austria. It was like just straight up milk all the time. My host mom, she, like, when I arrived, she gave me a bunch of bars of chocolate. She was like, we are women. We need chocolate to survive. <laughs> it, w- it was like the, the, the German sex in the city. Yeah. It was like, this is your Wir initiation. Wir haben Schokolade. Yeah. Und Schuhe. No, but it was like basically like this is something healthy that's going to sustain you yeah. because women need chocolate. I myself am kind of allergic to chocolate. Oh. <laughs> it gives me headaches. I still eat it. Have you read the David Sedaris short story? Yes. <laughs> I had I felt so I was like oh, someone who shares my affliction. Like, David that- Sedaris also gets headaches from eating chocolate. It was like a celebrity who shares your illness. Yeah, it's like when I got a, a insoles for my flat feet, my orthotics, and it came with a letter from Jerry Seinfeld. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not even kidding. Um, that made you feel better about your yeah, flat feet. Well, cause they're Jerry like, Seinfeld, you guys, Jerry Seinfeld even uh, has flat feet. Yeah, and he has to stand a lot as a stand-up comedian. <laughs> Uh, and it's something you never are cured of your flat feet don't grow around if you know you just always have to have something supporting it uh up what a terrible terrible affliction you have yeah my feet hurt i'm trying to bring this back to art okay so anyway i was i was really hoping there'd be a pun like much like propping up no Blah 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 blah. No, we're just gonna have to go segue list. So on this he, one. you know, so he was attracted to this uh, uh, advertising German, and yeah, and uh, iconography. And he also explicitly, and I don't, it's too complicated to look up the quote, but he talked about. Well, I don't think he said it. They were just talking about it in the essay, but he explicitly didn't wasn't interested in brands. He was more interested in depicting like how food is circulated, particularly. Mm-hmm. So it had this sort of like economic global thing so if it's like a chocolate bar it has like a generic wrapper but it looks like how chocolate is packaged Mm -hmm. all over yeah it's definitely in some ways pop art or responding to capitalism but not at all like i had ever seen from how we think of american or british pop artists not it's not about brands at all it's yeah it's just about it's it's about the thing that actually matters which is like the content the actual chocolate because if you look at that, like one chocolate bar painting, like he has lovingly painted the, the Heath, I guess. What's the, like crunchy stuff? The crunchy. <laughs> the, st- I'm making nougat, this like squeezing. Toffee? No, no, that's oh, no. that's not crunchy. That's like nougaty. Nougat. If you know what part of the chocolate part they were talking <laughs> about, please write it. No. Uh, but he's no. So he's like really lovingly depicted all the like, uh, you know the the strata of a Kit Kat bar, although it's not a Kit Kat, but that. So you kind of understand what I'm talking about, like. He's got all the really important pieces of like what make a good chocolate. So you're also it's not like oh this isn't Hershey's. This is like a specific chocolate that has different additives or you know maybe there's walnuts in this one or something. Mm. So I think that's interesting too because they're really like I don't know. You just imagine like those like shots in Europe of like uh, civilians like when the GIs are coming through and they're just like throwing cans of soup and chocolate and they're just like the kids are going nuts because they've like just been eating you know, potatoes or something. Yeah. 
That's a good segue. Do you want to talk about the Kartoffel House? Yeah. I don't know what it means, but I know that. So I also want to talk a little bit about, not necessarily right now, but there's a connection with this too. Like they did a Martin Kippenberger retrospective a few years ago, which is, he's another German artist and sort of a descendant of Polka. And when we get into the sort of mechanics of the exhibition and its shortcomings, I saw a similarity with these two shows, but they also started out with these little house dioramas. So like the Kippenberger one had this weird kind of Spider-Man sculpture in a little house with like paintings. And it was placed almost exactly like the first thing you encounter the same way this uh, Kartoffel house. Mm -hmm, That's right in the front. Um, So it's basically the skeleton of a house, uh, you know, gridded up. And so at each intersecting point is placed a potato. Yeah. Um, brilliant yeah well i kind of it like it didn't occur to me how they probably have to re like rebuild that every time they put the show together and maybe i don't know if they had to like replenish it over the run of the show or they did the potatoes were kind of starting to sprout by the time i saw it but yeah it's like he must have made you know it's not like oh this is the original one he built with his own hands i mean it's potatoes you have to like I don't know. God made those potatoes. Yeah. Well, that was another uh, uh, joke. He's actually good. It's funny because he's a funny artist. So this is going to be more serious than our conversation about Christopher Williams, who makes serious work. Because we're going to be like, that was a good joke. Do you remember when he did the potato joke? Yeah, that was really funny. (laughs) Um, So he also, uh, he didn't like the word God to be used in writing about his work. He always asked them to say, uh, Please use the term that revered being whom we all love. (laughs) I Um, love that. I can read um, from this little, from the pamphlet about the Kartoffel House. Yes. Um, The Spraka Nina. Yeah. It says, a purportedly autobiographical essay published in 1976, actually penned by the psychologist and publisher Friedrich Wolfhoff Herbach, humorously illuminates Polka's infatuation of high art with a low-growing tuber. Quote, if there is anything that embodies every aspect of the artist that has ever come under discussion, love of innovation, creativity, spontaneity, productivity, creation complete from what within oneself, etc., it is the potato. Whoa. They also had another uh, show or another piece in the show I really liked, which the title, you know, you don't understand it until you've read the title in German, but it translates to uh, uh, apparatus by which one potato is allowed to orbit another. <laughs> um, yeah, I don't I mean, I think his work, there's so much humor in it, and it's also mm-hmm. totally bizarre humor. Yeah. Um, he's like, you know, he is like a very kooky kind of mad scientist artist. Um. But I don't. And that's like where he diverges from Richter. Like they're sort of like two artists on the same spectrum, but like Richter just got more and more serious and like Kantian. And mm-hmm. I don't know what the German philosopher comparison to Polka would be. I don't know, maybe Goethe or something with all the. I, I'll say I Goethe just because, you know, Faust makes a deal with the devil. It's, it's, you it's say that because it's the only other German philosopher you know of. No, there's <laughs> Wittgenstein. Well, I just I don't know. Well, isn't Wittgenstein the one that says he his his idea translates to the thingness of the thing is the thing? So maybe that. Maybe. I don't know if this venue is really the appropriate venue for appreciating humor though. I don't know. It just like 
having never seen Polka's work before, and then it's all in German, and you have to trust that their translations are correct. Which you can't. Yeah. You can't. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it's just not like, oh, I get it. Ha, 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 ha. It's, I don't know. There's something about going to see a big retrospective that I feel like is a serious business. Yes. Um, well, there's a there are some like good jokes in English. Like in the right at the beginning, there's this like sad looking guy with a tie, and at the top it just says, "Why can't I stop smoking?" <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, but there's also, I mean, there's high minded jokes too. You know, like stuff you get as an artist, uh, like, like Malevich. Yeah, like the Mal- and even without the title, but you see this like very kind of crudely painted Mondrian constructivist looking thing, but it's like with stencils and dots, and it's yeah, the title is Malevich Looks Down on Pollock. Yeah, which I agree. I think in the end, Malevich won because, like, no one cares about Pollock anymore. Am I right? <laughs> I don't think that most people would agree that that's right. Well, but... the the lumpen masses, but yeah. us smart people know that squares will always be better than squiggles. <laughs> <laughs> that sounds like a Sigmar Polka drawing right there. Um, oh, yeah, or the... Um... But that whole wall that you're talking about, because it also had yeah. the thing called solutions, which I like that that double meaning because they mean like solutions to math problems, mm-hmm. but it also sounds like solutions to just problems. And it's a hand-painted table that looks like it's written on a typewriter or something. And it's just like one plus one equals three and so on. Like it's yeah. all wrong. Um, very, you know, kind of, I guess you could say it's Orwellian in the end, but it's also just funny to see like a, a chart. Um so that was like probably my my feeling like the best part of the the exhibition was that room. Yeah, that's also the room that had the painting Higher Beings Commanded Paint the Upper Right Corner Black. Yes. Which is um, pretty much a direct translation. Which is which is also funny because um it's like looks like it again it's the font is like the courier kind of typewriter font but it's like he runs out of space so he has to like kind of tuck in the last word under the bottom. And I also remember uh hearing about that piece before I'd seen it. Um, so like my experience of the show was like the complete opposite of yours. Yeah. Like where you were discovering him and I was like, Oh, he was one of my favorites and and I haven't seen his work in a while and this is going to be epic. But then also being a little bit disappointed because to me, the excitement is when you discover art for the first time and really try to figure it out and really like try to come to terms with weird stuff, like being an art student and seeing like a painting of math problems or, you know, this uh, paint the upper right hand corner black and this whole like complete irreverence. Um, and a lot of times the images you're trying to figure out what you're looking at, like the one next to it is called Moderna Kunst and Modern Art. Yeah. And it that looks was probably one of my favorite paintings. <clears throat> when I first saw it was it was in an art book. And it is also like, well, this looks like a painting of a page in an art book because it's an image and then there's a boundary around it and then a caption. So it's like and a the painting. caption says Moderna Kunst and just like plain. Yeah. Yeah. But then I looked at it and I was like, I can't believe that painting was made when it was like, cause it looks like something that was being painted in the early two thousands when I was looking at it. And I just couldn't believe that that was that old mm. and that he like made that awesome of a painting as a joke in the sixties or whenever. Yeah. And we can like, explain the joke since you can't even see it, but it's just like a bunch of shapes. But they're like, like but they're like expert. They're like, it's a fucking awesome painting. And then he just took a step back and put a board around it and then said, Oh, this is modern art. Yeah. Um, like how it's supposed to be. Yeah. And so like, I guess to see these, it's sort of like when you've always wanted to see this band in concert and then you do, and you're like, they're doing the hits. 
Um, but it doesn't give you as much as like, you know, seeing that band when, live. Yeah, like when I went I went to see Arcade Fire when they were here and Devo opened for them. And like, yeah, I had heard of Devo, but I had never like seen Devo and it like it blew my mind and it was just like Wow, it's 2014, and I'm just getting into Devo. <laughs> but I was tell like, us, "Tell us about so the thing they did it. on stage that sounded pretty fun." Oh yeah, okay. Well, they had you know the hats and they their suits, and they like tore their suits off and stuff. But during one of the songs, they had he was wearing that like mask. Mark Mothersbaugh, I'm guessing. Yeah, um, there's a music video where they're wearing these like weird masks, like old ladies and little boys and stuff. Anyway, so he's wearing the mask, and he did the whole song, and he had like kind of like a fat suit on and was like singing in this weird falsetto voice anyway he like reached under his shirt and he had like a fanny pack and then he opened the fanny pack and he grabbed it and started throwing super balls into the crowd and they just like bounced off the stage and it was just like super balls were like boing and he had like hundreds they were of boinging them. everywhere and they were just boinging everywhere and i was like this is the best thing i've ever seen in my entire life but then you saw arcade fire and you're like i like the album better yeah, I mean, I, Arcade Fire put on a good show, but it, nothing, it, it's exactly yeah. how you described Nothing compared to the newness of experiencing Devo for the first time, whereas Arcade Fire was like, yeah, I like that song, I like that song too, this is pretty good, they're good at playing music, and I like these songs, but yeah, it was just like, when you hear something for the first time or see it for the first time, it's just revelatory. Yeah. Yeah, and a lot of stuff, like with the Polka's work, you really have to read the image, like not just the text in it, but also figure out what actually am I looking at. Like there's this other piece in the show that just creeped me out as a young person. It's still pretty creepy now. It's called something like, uh, I'll pull it up. <laughs> oh, it's next. Um, the Ride on the Eight of Infinity 3, the Motorcycle Headlight. Um which is just this huge sheet of paper that's been like abused with different stains and chemicals and so on. And then taped back together with uh, cellophane tape or uh, or scotch tape, which is then yellowed. And then it's made this like sort of abstract pattern drawing. And then there's just these weird, this weird creepy head shape with buck teeth. And they're kind of like flying through space at the viewer. It's like a weird, yeah. Airplane cone head. Yeah. It's, so so fucking weird and i just remember like meditating on that image just because i couldn't figure out what the hell am i staring at and what is it made out of and you know with his like transparent stuff or bringing fabric in there's a lot of times where you're just trying to understand what are the part yeah what are the components that make this image and when you see it in person then it's probably really different yeah experience so because there are also ones where you know because i looked at a lot of drawings and so it is there is an interesting shift when you see a reproduction and it's painted to look like a typewriter. So you're imagining maybe a drawing that was made on, you know, typing out the numbers or something and then to see a painting of it. Yeah. Well, or like the first time I ever saw, um, Magritte's time transfixed in person. Cause when I was a really little kid, we had a book that had the picture of it and I was like, Whoa, there's like a train coming out of the fireplace. And when I saw the painting, I was like, Oh, it's like flat. It, yeah. No, it just looked yeah, it so look three real. dimensional in real life. And yeah, it, yeah, it was kind of a letdown. Yeah, and then like with the higher beings command, paint the upper right hand corner right, black, black. Paint it right; it's already right. <laughs> Do it right. Um, I also like it. Just gave you nothing because it's like he just made a triangle, like he just made it's a diagonal. Just, it's just it's, a corner planted black. It's like not. There's no like because when you hear the description of it, you imagine 
oh, it's going to be like sloppy. Like you just kind of paint it. And it's like, no, no super just, tight line. And then the sloppy part is the command. Yeah. Um, yeah. Painting with a black echo. Yeah. That means corner. Oh, thank you. Um, so, uh, it, it, so back to his early day. I, I mean, I'm, we don't have to give a complete timeline, but I do feel like yes, we have to we mention. Yes, we do. No, yada no. yada yada art history um he and richter and these are guys you talk about the part where he goes like to tour with the grateful dead and stuff no you are because i don't i just know he had an acid that was a joke, was oh. a joke. <laughs> <laughs> well because he had this acid hippie period and i'm like i don't know i mean maybe he did <laughs> he's doing motorcycle paintings I mean, is this before or after he had his solo show at Peanut Gallery, Pretzel Gallery? <laughs> I don't know. Maybe he did. That oh, was man, a joke. you got me. <laughs> his face. He was like, oh, gosh, I didn't study up on this enough. You're going to get me with all these, these gotcha media people. <laughs> um, But he did, He had, like, that was the, the motorcycle drawing, the headlight, weird face, like, that was in the room that was kind of labeled his acid psychedelic period. Um, well, yeah, I mean, if we can talk about the show a little bit, it was kind of organized by topic. Well, I guess it's it was important to show. say, yeah, it's important to say that there's no one, there's no way that a Sigmar Polka looks. And so you just it's have like, to see a bunch and the more you see, the more you kind of can guess i don't know like get yeah. in his his head or his mindset and be like maybe this is something that he um would have made and then maybe you can guess that it was a work by him but yeah there's not really a way that you're like oh yes definitely i recognize it it's one of those so it, yeah i was like how are you going to organize the show so it's kind of roughly organized by topic or like these are his paintings about pornography or these are his paintings about right yeah, art or these yeah. are his paintings his about uranium. Painting. I don't know. It was like well, those were made with uranium. Yeah, uranium. I'm sorry. I really have to blow my nose, and there's no way around this. Okay, I'll. So I, just don't don't even say I, anything. What kind of, listen to the dulcet tones of my voice, and not Eric blowing his nose really loudly. <laughs> la 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 la. <laughs> it's continuing. I can't. I can't ad lib for I this long. Like throw off. No. <laughs> 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 Oh my god! You're killing Eric, me. You Don't have say- Ebola, and you're gonna get it all on me. That's not how Ebola works. PSA: No one, no one in America is gonna get Ebola. Oh my god! Speak, speaking of, <laughs> this is the this is the topical part of the. Well, podcast. I got an email from my student that come couldn't come to class the other day, and he was just like way too explicit. <laughs> <laughs> so he's really apologizing. He's like, "Really, I'm feeling right now. I feel like I must." be vomiting soon no i don't want to hear that and i was like okay i get it but it was like because he was trying to be really polite and professional but it like went too far and he's like dear dear respected professor i'm so very sorry i'm really feeling i must vomit all over my computer (laughs) um i still feel stuffed up like i've got a nasal voice this is your it's that time what i'm sorry i suffer from why didn't you flat feet and chronic sinus why didn't you nutty pot before our podcast have you done it's it's a trauma nutty pot is it yes it's a traumatic experience (laughs) i find it well i haven't done it in a while but stop (laughs) this 
stop sniffing. There's a dog in here sniffing the microphone. <laughs> That's how dogs sniff. I'm really good at it. <laughs> yeah, it's kind of amazing considering your disdain, your your typical disdain for dogs. I don't hate dogs. I have fond memories of dogs, but I've much like Polka moved from his capitalist realist period into his acid psychedelic period, I've moved from my dog period into my cat. Cats are acid and psychedelic for anyone who didn't catch Yeah, that especially subtext. in the middle of the night when you're trying to sleep. Ugh. Um So art uh yeah i'm just like where do we go so yeah so we had these really oh so we were kind of talking about so, the structure yeah. of the show and oh, yeah. being all about different things so yeah i thought the show was too big i mean you said it was a shit show and i kind of agree it well, was huge it was too i looked it up it was two more than 250 works yeah well this was also the first time anything like this has been done with his work yeah um which that surprised me um i guess there was the drawing show that i'd seen but like uh, the the person who organized it, they started talking about it before he died, and he was like, I'm ready to do this, and I'm ready to do a show where you see all these different bodies of work, because typically he would only have, you know, the photos, or the, like, weird missed prints from newspapers, or the paintings, photographs made with, you know, exposing photographic paper with pieces of uranium on it, or, Which you know. Which was awesome. Yeah. So this is really the first time he considered doing a, a show that, you know, is a first retrospective, but also a first um, multi multifaceted yeah. Yeah. Um, show. But it was just, I just I really have difficulty looking at contemporary art in a museum when when I or that's not what I mean, because where else do I look at contemporary art, really? In galleries, maybe? Yeah. Artist no, studios? But, I don't know. Get out there. See it. Yeah. <laughs> no, but I just mean that I'm just when you, you when you live in the city where you live, you can go see a work and just go see one thing and think about it or one room of things, maybe. Or you see things over and over and you can think about them. But you mean like a like, collection where they're like, we've got our one. On Kawara and our one Richard Sarah and our one. Yeah, well, that's not necessarily good either. But I'm just saying, when I go on that's vacation, also not contemporary anymore, guys. That's uh, well, it's called contemporary. contemporary. <laughs> well, no, that just means they need to think it's going to be like modern art is between 1900 and 1945. Contemporary art can be between I don't know. Let's no, say no contemporary art would be like 1970. Post war is nineteen forty five. Okay. This is Eric's Eric's bifurcation of the history of time. Okay. <laughs> so so you said wait, you said modern is nineteen hundred to nineteen forty five. No, but mo- no, you should just have modernism. Oh fuck. This is really hard. Now when you think about it. Yeah, you why don't you <laughs> no, go build well, because, a museum? Because they used to because they used to say post war art. And that because that's when it sure, shifted post-war, with Pollock and all that. I would that. say post-war would be 1945 to 1955, maybe, or 1960. 1960, because yeah. then you have pop art. Sure. Um, and then 1960 and that's contemporary. is contemporary until what, like 19, like 1995? No. <laughs> when, no, because you end? have you have this weird because you also look at his modernism and postmodernism. So that would be in the 70s when postmodernism kills. Any sense of sincerity or joy. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um, well, then what? Yeah. What so do you call we'll art now? Thing... What do you call art now? Oh man, I really wish I had like a Milton Berle response to that. <laughs> I'm not talking about the books art now. 
No, no, I just mean you're like, oh, I call it Shirley. Oh. Or, no, damn it. <laughs> but you know, like, what do you call art now? Oh, a mistake. <laughs> <laughs> um. Well, no, I think it'll just be this thing. Yeah, they'll, they'll call it contemporary art, and then we'll have other stuff in the future, and then they'll be like, why is that art from 60 years ago for 30 years called contemporary art? And they'll be like, and like oh, That's just what they called it back then. That's exactly what's happening now with modern art, and it just it kills me all, every day. So we need to do something about this now. Wait, people. I don't understand this what is the a problem call with to modern arms art. That people are like, I hate modern art, for example... But Jackson the Brit- Pollock. And you're like, that's British- not modern art. I'm sorry. That, that actually, was- that is modern art. Okay, fine. That's sorry. post-war art as defined by what you just said. Yeah, but well, they could be like, look at an Well, they could look at an Ankara and be like, oh, modern art is so, you know, boring. And you're well, like, that's it- not modern art. Well, it used to be called modern art. And if you go to England, they still call contemporary art modern art. Ooh. So that's also confusing. Thanks a lot, British. Because they're like, this is modern art, Damien Hirst. And you're like, what the fuck are you talking about? <laughs> and they're like, you know, modern, like it's happening now. <laughs> So it's confusing. Like ancient art is like uh, Near Eastern. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Um, Okay, but but the point is, is that this kind of art, it it asks you to take a long time with it. It's not something you can just look at and be like, "Cool, saw it. Next thing, you know, like a bunch of landscapes." I just, I think maybe Polka actually is like like that. He was extremely prolific. Very. He's very smart. It's not that it's unconsidered, but he's very quick. There are a lot of them are, I think a lot of them are, are like quips or puns or mm. jokes. And he's like, he's expected, it's like, it's like a fast paced comedy for a very informed and engaged audience because he's like moving quickly, quickly, but he's also expecting you to keep up with him. And I think yeah. so maybe that's part of the maybe problem. I can't of like, keep up. I don't know. No, but, but I, I just, think part of the problem with a show like this where you're like, I really have to consider everything. Yeah. But I just felt like my brain was so full by the end of it that I couldn't focus anymore. I feel like, you know, there's only a certain number of things that you can really give right. your full attention to for that long. And I felt like my attention span was – and I saw it twice because I was like, well, I didn't really consider all of that. I should go back and look at it again. But I, st- I should have gone back in reverse order because I still was so busy thinking about the first couple rooms oh, yeah. that I was like, oh, Start I got to the end. end again. And I still didn't yeah. have time to think about it. Well, I think the it. other thing is because his practice is so varied and it's almost schizophrenic. Um, but I feel like when you do see it all together, you do get a kind of a sense. Maybe you can't verbalize it, but you understand how it all goes together. Um, the other thing I was thinking is like, Walking through the show, it also kind of made a lot of artists today look like lame, particularly painters, because you're looking at all this work and you can just name everyone that's like kind of doing that but mm. came 10, 20, 30 years later. Mm. And on the one hand, that's to me, it was a little bit of an indictment because there's, you know, not just the Moderna Kunst painting, but there was a one next to it called like Seven Stripes or something that looks super dry, super, super postmodern or whatever we have now, which is after postmodern where people are like, can't even be bothered <laughs> to have like a stance of postmodern. They're just like, oh, I'm making fake paintings or, you know, yeah. like super pastel, all the colors that are hot right now, everything. <laughs> and it's decades beforehand. And he's just doing it as another one liner, but it's like a perfectly delivered. Yeah. Wonder, you know, it's Send not like a crappy of that kind of art. Yeah. And it's not like, just crappy on a sheet of paper or something. It's like a well-stretched canvas. It's perfectly executed. Um, Cause his work and a lot of times his work is crappy, but it's like perfectly finished. Yeah. And it's not like crappy now. That's just 
crappy because like polka artists like polka in that time period made it okay to make stuff not perfect but and it's kind of hand-drawn looking and cartoony yeah and so on the one hand i think i mean that like also speaks to how much how amazing he is because i think on you know like he's kind of put at odds with richter because they were such good friends and then they kind of went their separate ways and like polka's like literally the stoner and like richter's the like <laughs> guy that was hard at work you know and like applied himself or whatever and polka you know just all oh, life was just one big joke or whatever to him but i think actually in the end like polka's a more important artist because you can see his work is so it's generative still, it's still mocking things that are being made today yeah but it's also it's as fresh or more fresh than mm. stuff being made today and it also uh, uh he did so many things he opened so many doors that like other artists have sort of like you could say negatively saw one thing he did and latch onto it, and made a whole career out of it. Or you could say that they saw the value of this like sort of offhanded experiment. You know, all of his works really seem like experiments and they talk about like alchemy and like fiddling around and being in the lab. And so maybe you also see artists that he did this thing or he did a body of work on this. And then someone else comes along and they're like, wow, there's so much to this. And I'm so excited. Mm -hmm. Like his work. I don't know. Like I, I don't see that a lot anymore where it's like you go to a museum or something, you see new work and it excites you. It makes you want to try things. Oh, I have that experience think, a lot though. Oh, that's maybe cool. that's jealous. <laughs> well, but I think it's partially cause I'm, I mean, I'm sure you had that experience when you were yeah. my age. I think I've just seen fewer things. So when I see something, yeah that I haven't seen before that all, a lot of people have, I have that sudden like, where has this been all my life? Yeah. Um, but and, yeah, and it I makes feel me like think, with... I don't know. Yeah. I just, I do, I do really think about things when I'm in the museum and like at, at MoMA, um, at the same time as this show, um, Jasper John's regrets. It was a show uh, like he new works from 2013 that he made, um, of this photograph that he photocopied of um, Lucian Freud, and I don't remember all the specifics, but anyway, he made a series of of drawings from it, and then prints from it, and then paintings from the prints. And he had a quote in there where he's, I, I wrote it down. Let me see if I still have it. That just, I guess, I don't know, made me think about things that I could do with my own work, not necessarily... Here, okay, he said, quote, take an object, do something to it, do something else to it, repeat. Yes. I just thought, I was just like, oh my God, Jasper Johns, are you kidding? That's the best thing I ever heard. Like, that's, I, yeah, that's his, yeah. that's his, uh, um, I loved that. That's his, that's his e pluribus unum. <laughs> yeah, and he, I mean, that was the first time you've heard that? Yeah. From, oh, was man. A, see, that's what See, I'm the saying. world is new to you. Yeah. Like a baby fall that just was born. Damn. Stumbling around on cool art stuff. Yeah. So I'm just like, how is this closed down things? But you could see how that quote really was <laughs> oh, executed no, it's a, in those well, it's new a good works. Quote. Yeah. yeah. But you could see how he was really doing that. And he mm -hmm. was doing that in works he was making in 2013. So it was just, yeah, yeah seeing something that felt really fresh to me. Yeah. Um. Well, because I think, yeah, like. Yeah, cause I, I don't mean maybe there there's oh, there's always different ways to divide artists or whatever, but I think of one way as like an artist that's like generative. Hmm. So like, well, I guess Richter could be that a little bit too, but I feel like Richter 
oh man, I've totally turned into the teacher. Cause I remember when I was like an undergrad and we went to see the room of Richter's in the old installation at the art Institute, um, which I always argue is better. <laughs> Everything older is better. Um, but it's this whole room, you know, and so it's got his squeegee paintings and paintings of photos from newspapers and then paintings of photos. He's taken of flowers and candles Wolfie. and stuff and, and the dog Wolfie. Um, and we're there and the teacher's just like, shit, fuck. Like, cause he's kind of, he was kind of this like kind of surfer kind of attitude. <laughs> he was actually a really awesome teacher. So I, uh, but it, it also makes the story funny where he's just like, what the fuck do we do? Somebody needs to take this guy's brushes away. <laughs> Like, what? he's just like, what do we do, man? And I'm like, what do you mean? He's like, what the fuck do you do? Just look at all this. And I'm, and I, my, my like useful response was like, well, no, usually you're only supposed to do one thing and look at, he, he can do all this. So doesn't that give us freedom? Mm-hmm. But I think looking at, I'm like, well, no, actually you can actually tie all that stuff together and make it, it is actually fairly focused and kind of nailed down what Richter does. Mm-hmm. But when you look at Polka, yeah. it is literally like. He's putting uranium and stuff. He's grinding up uh, meteorites and attaching Neolithic arrowheads. And he's putting stuff that changes color and light. And he's making stuff with cellophane. He's taking acid and he's making films in Afghanistan. And he's like painting sex drawings. And like, yeah, he really is saying like, it's all good. Yeah. (laughs) Well, that I think applies to your practice, which I think is interesting. Not the taking acid part, but the I don't other take parts. Acid. Not the meteorite part either. Right. But what, which part? No, the part, <laughs> the part where you are an interdisciplinary artist, and there's maybe no one way for your work to look mm. or to take form. Whereas I think I don't know. I work on a lot of different projects, but in some ways they have a thread or they're connected, or maybe you could tell that I made them. Mm-hmm. But I I have difficulty with that because that was like the number one, I think, criticism that really hit home for me that I don't know how to, um, you know, of you actualize or? is like that I move on from stuff too quickly. Mm. And I was thinking about that with the show because I was like, well, does he move on from stuff too quickly that he that he hasn't found something that he feels like he needs to dig in and yeah. work on that one thing for a really long time and really flesh it out? Or how do you know when you're done? Yeah. Well, I don't know if we can answer that today. Yeah, or ever. <laughs> um, but I think the moving on thing or the jumping around you're supposed to do and then you just get slower. Because mm. even in grad school, they're like, oh, you just keep moving around. But it's also like I don't want to force myself to do stuff if it doesn't feel mm-hmm. right to keep doing it. Should I tell my Boris Groy story? <laughs> sure. Um, Boris, I had a studio visit with Boris Groys in graduate school. And um, one of the things I'd been doing was I was just, like, wrapping up my garbage. <laughs> like, well, explain who Boris Groys is. Oh, boy. Just well, if our readers don't know, um, he is a Russian art philosopher that yeah, philosopher. moved to Germany. And now he's at Princeton. And he almost came to University of Chicago, but not quite, but at least enough for me to have a studio visit. He wrote this excellent book called Art Power. It's probably... I still have not read all the essays in it. It still is probably my favorite book. I've never, it's like the best book I've ever read. Well, it's hard because you're like, this sounds great. This sounds great. Ew, a chapter on net art. (laughs) (laughs) But he really, he is a brilliant writer. He really is a philosopher. Yeah, um, But he writes so plainly where you follow him from idea to idea and you just are like, oh, yes, 
of course. Yeah, and it's fucked up shit. Like, you're just like, I can't believe you understand objects in this weird fucked up way, and you're so right. Yeah, it, it, it really, there's a lot of things that I feel em- empirically when I look at, at art or, or things that I feel uncomfortable about, about the way exhibitions are made or about the way that art is, is displayed, but I can't really put my finger on what I think is wrong about it and he like knows he just yeah. already knows and he'll explain it to you so I'm I'm in a sense I'm glad I didn't know as much about it like I should have because they're like Eric Boris Groys is coming and they're like oh I think you'd like his writing stuff and I kind of looked at it a little bit but not as much as I should have been more like there. starstruck if he had well yeah I also I would have had like I don't know what I would have said You'd yeah like, like if I was like hi <laughs> will you sign my paintbrush well I, or I would have been like in incon- well I don't know if it was starstruck as much as like I would have been like I don't know what to say to this guy because he just like he knows it I'm all comatose already. about object permanence or something now <laughs> actually that's his whole the the essay I love the most is about like this weird, the museological object permanence and, uh, uh, so anyway, that's, um, so yeah, I, I think it was kind of good that I knew a little bit, whatever coming in. And so this, I had done this thing where I just had this impulse to like wrap the garbage in my studio, like just take out the garbage can. And the first time I did it, I like had clean garbage in the sense, like there was no Kleenex or wrappers with food. It was all, you know, I guess it could be recyclable, but you know, or wood or metal, like stuff that wouldn't rot, you know? Mm-hmm. And I just wrapped it up like in tape. And then I did one again. And that time I didn't, I was literally everything that was in there. And then I kind of painted some of it. Cause I thought it like, it actually looked too much like art. Cause I used black duct tape on it and it was a white bag. And I was like, Oh, that looks too good. So I painted part of it white. And then like a year later, I was talking to someone about dinosaurs and how when they find fossils they like take the whole rock around it and wrap the whole thing in plaster gauze and i was like shit that's what i need to wrap my garbage in plaster gauze yeah so i did a few of those eva hess or something yeah and i did a few of those and then i was kind of like okay that's enough of that it doesn't i don't know i wanted to think about it and i also didn't want to just keep doing it and so he came by the studio he's like why are there you know only like four of these or whatever and he's like well if you had like a whole room of these that would be like a thing and so I guess even Boris Groys falls into the the crevasse of the why don't you do more <laughs> or yeah. bigger, which is like that's what, what you told me when I was doing these little prints. You were like, why don't you make those art sized? But I was right. He was right. <laughs> yeah. So sometimes there actually is a reason because they well because they were like yeah, but it was five just insulting the way print. you said art sized, like because a five by seven print can't be well, art. it can be art. But I, I I'm sorry I said that because I don't remember saying that. What I was just trying to say was like to get it. The, on a There's bigger more, scale. On a bigger scale yeah. to like. No, it was to... a good decision, but it was like the way you said that. I was oh. like, oh, jeez. Well, I guess because they fit so neatly in this like folio you were carrying, you know. Yeah. Like challenge that a little. Um, so I'm glad it was it was helpful advice. Um, but I was like, so my response to like, I don't want to do a whole field of these because first of all, you can imagine that. Oh, and then it would be a whole field of these. And I just didn't want to force myself to do something if it didn't feel right. And he's like, oh, you know, we have a saying in German. Einmal ist kein Mal, which means one time is no times. And then I was so pissed off because later when I looked that up, it's a fucking half of a saying, which is like, it, it's like, he's like, well, one in Rome. And you're like, well, what's the other half of that sentence? Like, it's like, yeah, the other half of that sentence well, is, but two times is one time too many. And I was like, you fucker, like you totally, <laughs> you knew that that was bullshit, but you're like, oh, this guy's not going to know the other half of this German saying, so I can get away with it. <laughs> Um, mm-hmm. but I still disagree with him. 
um, because it, it didn't make like I didn't want to force myself to do stuff. But then now, you know, I've been out of school a while later in the thing, the kind of project I'm working on now. I've been doing a while and I actually do want to spend more time on it. So I think, Mm -hmm. I don't think there's anything wrong with like when you're a younger artist or when you're in a searching period to be jumping around a lot, because I think that's what you're supposed to do. Mm -hmm. Um, Well, also I'm this seeing things in a retrospective where everything is like laid out where you could simultaneously be looking at something from a decade away from something else. It doesn't necessarily give you a sense of how long he committed to certain. Right. Yeah. And they're like sort of cherry picking this one needs to be in there, that one. But actually stuff, th- speaking of stuff that was missing, I was really surprised they didn't have any of his Antarctica Kunst paintings. Mm. Um, so, which is a famous show that Hitler put together during World War II of degenerate art. So basically everything Whoa, that we- Which is weird because that same weekend I went to go see the Antarctica Kunst show. Yeah, which was on at the- At the Neue Gallery. Yeah, so- um, I, th- I did think that was conspicuously missing because he took this famous photograph of the outside of the exhibition. And so like polka is kind of uh, humorously known. They call him polka dots because he uh, really got into the like halftone raster patterning that you would see in black and white newsprint and mm-hmm. things like that. And he would kind of hand paint them and adapt photos from that and kind of like the, in a certain way, maybe an analog to the way uh, Lichtenstein was looking at printing techniques yeah. or like beautiful errors in printing techniques. Um, like Christopher Wool. Yeah. Or I was also thinking a uh, Wade Guyton who's really painted himself into a corner in terms of these like inkjet paintings that are all about the beauty of the error. And I think it gets a little old. It gets old very quickly. And I was thinking about that, you know, relooking at the work in the show because um, well, I was reading a Peter Sheldahl uh, review of a show that Polka did that was all like photographs based on blowing up errors in mm. printing reproduction. And I think of, it made me think of Guyton because it was right after I saw his abysmal talk at the <laughs> School of the Art Institute. <laughs> I'm sorry. It was like just not good for, and that's partly why it's like we're doing this podcast because there's a better way to talk about art. Um. It's not his fault, uh, but you know, cause he does. So Guyton takes this canvas that you can print on and like shoves it through an Epson inkjet and mm. it's like a black painting and then it gets all screwed up and there's all this like sort of built in error of mechanical failure. Um, but he's only been doing it this one way the whole time and he's like totally banked different. on it. Yeah. And I mean, I think there's a lot of, he's aware of this. He's kind of stuck in this certain mode that he's doing but i i don't know i just thought of like the polka like seeing a blob in a newspaper print where something got stuck in the printer heads or Mm -hmm. something and um you know so then he makes a whole show of photographs focusing in on that um i don't know oh sorry no (laughs) i was fiddling (laughs) um i don't know why i brought that up damn it well uh but that's so that's a um yeah are there any other particular paintings that you want to point out or sort of movements yeah. in his work that you want to talk about yeah. before we wrap up? Oh, I, uh, I I do know why I brought it because that's like sort of the heart of his style, the the dot thing and looking Polka at dots. printing. I like that a lot. Yeah. Well, I think he has this quote about like, he's like, oh, there's many, he's like, 
Oh, I love dots. I'm married to many of them. I'm married to several dots. <laughs> um, but it's like that's kind of one of the the threads that runs through his work. You know, early on he's making paintings based on like the raster technique. And so even at the end of his life, he's doing screen printing or photographs that end up in paintings or something that are still kind of looking at this weird way of seeing the world, like literally seeing it through a screen of dots. Mm-hmm. Um so I just I thought we would, we'd have to mention that. Yeah, um, definitely. The other one they in the first room they open it with the great like painting of the pig cop, <laughs> which was right at the time when the New York had the massive failure of social networking, where you were supposed to like take a photo of like cops doing cool things or something, and then like do oh, a hashtag yeah. my NYPD or something. So I totally did that. I took a picture of and you hashtagged it NYPD. Yeah. Well, we also took those cartoon selfies. No. Um, I think the photography wasn't allowed in the show, but I it was in that big room. Picture. And then as you got in, oh, okay. they were. Well, I, I snagged some. But yeah, Good. we did take selfies in front of the Cartoffel House. Yes, and I coined the term Cartoffel House Zelfie. Yeah. Zelp, Zelpsty. Zelpsty. And then I think David Zwerner liked that on Twitter. Really? Yeah, he liked mine. That's good. I think it got retweeted. Cool. Boom. Um, but we famous. should talk a little bit about the uh, I am I am a uh, Twitter famous. Uh, we should talk a little bit about the the museography, musicology, the music museology that was in the show. Is that what you're talking? No, about? Um, the fact that this thing was like had some oh, major the failure. The museography, not music, like not musicology, not discography. Well, no, I had this show. Wait, when I was in grad school, we put together this group show. And then there was this professor we revered, and we asked her how it went, like in an email, and she just replied, like, I had trouble with the museography, and it's like this buzzword that means, like, how you installed it, but she said, like, museography, <laughs> like museumography. Oh, yeah. How, you it's like trying to pronounce lit off. Yeah, it's <laughs> difficult. I got that right. Yeah, you did. Um, um, well, yeah, so part of they had available at the show, and you may have he- heard it clicking here. I'll click it a lot. These pamphlets, crumple it, these like newspapery little um, pamphlets, and they're very big. The the show's zine. Yeah, it's not it's not like a little brochure. It's like a full eight and a half by 11 booklet that goes along with the show. And there was no object labels on anything in the whole show. I feel like this was a huge failure out of the impulse to be like, we don't want to be confusing with having all these labels that'll detract from the work. Right. So instead, we're not mediating your experience. So instead they ruined, they apps. If you're listening MoMA and we are going to send this podcast to you, you absolutely ruined my viewing experience because you turned it into a treasure hunt. Yeah. Each room is labeled with a little picture of how big the thing is and it's numbered. And then next to the number is the (laughs) title that is, but it's, but it's completely inconsistent. So, like, one room you go in, information in there, one you go in the room and it's clockwise, another room you go in and you're starting backwards and walking forwards. And they even have there's like labels or diagrams. There's like a little stick man and he's like walking through, like, oh, I love Sigmar Polka, I'll go this way. They're like, nope, you gotta go this. This no. way, actually. And there, and then sometimes there's ones where you're like, it's if you, I'm going through the exhibition from beginning to end, there's no, like, I you can't, you'd have to walk through the room, turn around, and then walk through it backwards to go through the show in the order in which they're telling you. And I didn't go in any order. I just and there's, was... like, sometimes there's, like, tons of drawings on one wall. 
and they all have different titles or different. And I'm like someone I'm like, like I said, like part of what drew me into polka is like, what am I looking at? Yeah. And so you're also like, like you were also saying, like sometimes you're looking at stuff in different years. So you're like, wait, so where does this fit? Right. Something that very easily, if I look to the left and it said 1963, but instead I'm like fucking going through the book. And I just, like, I just hate that. I hate the idea that, that curators think that giving information, I mean, it does mediate the experience, but I'm like, I'm desperately looking yeah. for information about it. And I appreciate and learn more from that. And in, Polka in particular, the titles tell you so much about oh, the work yeah. that you don't even necessarily need didactic information on top of that. It's helpful sometimes. I like yeah. it. But I but, just don't know why like people have such a problem with giving more information about yeah, contemporary but art. They, but they made it such a Baroque performance because if you just had like a label, even if it's just like 16 extra inches away, but there's a huge knuckle cracking <laughs> I'm gonna beat the shit out of those chairs. <laughs> <Just can't even. laughs> um, uh, but there's a huge shift of consciousness to go from looking at an artwork on a wall and then opening a book and then flipping through it and then reading it and then you get into this whole other mental operation of like and it is a map matching. and you have to be like okay so it's through from the top and over yeah because the they're left. just because they're just ironically represented by rectangles made out of dots <laughs> polka dots yeah oh god yeah so it just it to me it actually severely hindered the experience um i do like that it's like a checklist yeah. So you can look back and know exactly what was there and what all the titles were. And in some ways, reading that even without having the works in front of you. Yeah, it's actually more helpful in, in hindsight. But I feel like I would have had a better experience. And I just couldn't let go because like, I'm like, I want to know. I can't just look at this. Um, I don't know. And then the whole time, you know that there's this like weird thing looming out. It's like sort of like ignore it. Uh, it it was not good. Um, the other thing was translations. I feel like they like. Uh, they were like, "Oh, it's got to be kid friendly or something." <laughs> I don't understand why they translated. Yeah, tell about that particular. So there's an artwork that is traditionally known as the Great Bitching Sheet. Um, and there are these. There's this great photo, and we'll definitely put this on the Tumblr of him wearing it like a cape. <laughs> <laughs> So fucking cool. Yeah, I mean, like, how do you I not love that? I love that. In the catalog, there's all these pictures of him, like, performing with objects and yeah. touching stuff and wrapped up in a snake skin and, like... Yeah. Or, like, you the, get a the... sense of how funny a person he probably was. Oh, totally. And they even had the video in the show. Well, there were two. There was one I really wished I could have sat and watched the whole thing because it was, like, a document of him showing up at a party that was boring and then, like, making it <laughs> awesome. Like, and in the... And I want to perform like that. Like... They're like, oh, this poor party was really laid back. And then Sigmar Polka showed up and then it cuts to him in the bathtub drunk. <laughs> it was just like, oh, my God, he's literally the life of the party. But they also had another film. Oh, wait, say what was the bitching sheet? What it, was their translation of it? Oh, let me. Oh, shit. I'm sorry. I know I, you were going to go off on something, but I didn't want you to. I think it was here. Did you you see it? Bitching sheet, bitching. Oh, yeah. Wait. Yes. Oh, so here's a photo that I was talking about of him wearing it like a cape. Fucking funny. Um, oh, but that's where they give the title. Which is Das Große Schimpftuch. Das Große Schimpftuch. Or as they, they call it, the large cloth of abuse. <laughs> <laughs> and I was Self-abuse? Like, I was just like... Yeah. <laughs> 
<laughs> well, that's why it's so he could hide under there. But it was just like, you know how I was saying the show had a little bit of like a greatest hits thing or like, oh, I love that painting. And now I'm seeing it in person. And I was like, oh, there it is, the great bitching sheet. And then I look at it. It's like the large class of a event. Like, oh, my God. It's like oh, way PG. to take all the air out of the room. Um, but, yeah. yeah, he was a character. So I really like I like that film they had of him where it's like. Because he also inserted his person persona and personality a lot into it. So he has like a painting of a star chart that he's like made up a new constellation that has his last name in it. <laughs> um, yeah, they're just so funny. Or like the one where it's like a picture of like a like a, a little wrap wrapped up tube or something with these like green pellets coming out. And it just says polka as drug um, or the one where he got he he, uh, you know, like a material thing. He also sort of uh, pioneered was like taking like commercially available fabrics and patterns and then just using that as a surface to paint. Yeah. Oh, I do want to talk. I We should wrap up soon, but I do want to mention about the fabrics. And I really thought that was interesting, his use of fabrics and, and those kinds of colors. It was the, yeah. the, the show definitely is a kind of They're really pastel garish. or sort of yeah. brown kind of color scheme in a lot of places. But I thought that was interesting that he's using kind of, I don't know, feminine colors or, or kids like stuff. Like, cause kids, the one, yeah, it's it just, just like clearly fabric to make kids bedsheets or pajamas. It's all these little astronauts. And then you stretched it yeah. and painted the smiley face and it's just pol- polka as an astronaut. Yeah. I just thought it was like, you can think of, Oh, this, this is a funny artist or he does kind of humorous things or he's, he's, you know, critiquing art history or the art world, but he definitely is not, He's not like one of those doodly artists who's yeah. like real. He's hardly trendy. doodly. <laughs> exactly, but it had kind of like a I don't know, I don't know if I would go so far yeah. to say, but it had like sort of more feminine characteristics to it, and I really liked that aspect of it. Yeah. Me too. <laughs> Great. So, sehr gut. Sehr gut. Um. Any last so, final thoughts? comments? Yeah. Um I guess, well, I said I would mention I'd bring up the Kippenberger, and I guess it doesn't really fit anymore, but since I said I would, I don't want to leave everyone hanging. Go ahead. The, you know, we're on the kind of installation talk. Like, to me, the show did, it also ended kind of strangely. Like, is that all there is, or why are we ending here? Mm -hmm. Um, I do think, I mean, it ended with his project for the cathedral in Zurich, um, which I think maybe was his last major work. But it did seem like kind of like, I don't know, when it's a show about an artist, especially like for me, it's like a hero. So like you're kind of invested in their biography and you're like, you know how it's like the end of Braveheart or something. Like you're like, how, he has to die at the end. But how does and uh, it was the same with Kippenberger where like it seemed like they were missing a room where you're like, when does the artist die? Or like, this can't be the end. Like mm-hmm. you're cutting. Anticlimactic. Yeah, you're cutting too so soon. So on that note, thank you so much for listening. <laughs> um. No, but I do have a funny story about the cathedral because I actually saw it in Zurich. Sorry, this is bonus material. No, I'm gonna we're gonna give them the end that the polka that show it didn't deserves. Give us. So I uh, grand finale. Yeah, and I thought it was well. Yeah, so I saw the polka cathedral when I was in Zurich two years ago with my friend. She's like, "Oh, we got to go to this thing," and she kept saying, "There's Sigmar polkas in there," and he's got work. And I thought it was like one of these things how like in europe they'll like they have too many cathedrals so sometimes they turn them into like uh kunsthals (laughs) 
It's true. Like they're like, oh, we just well, we don't need this many temples anymore. So this one will be, you know, our uh, special art project. Temples to the arts. Yes. So we go in there. And it's the stained glass. And I'd heard about it. I'm like, oh, cool. Because, like, it's really cool stained glass. Like, there's all different kinds. But one of them is that he's, like, cut uh, geodes or geode types. Mm, you know, so it's, like, mm-hmm. stained glass by nature. So there are these weird kind of brain Warshock looking shapes. And it's because he's, like, sliced these rocks. And so it's, again, like, this interesting binary to Richter who did this cathedral. And it's all just, like, squares of colored glass, like, digital pictures. Mm-hmm. And Polka's, like, I'm cutting up rocks. And then he was quoting other stained glass things and, like, referencing all this stuff. And it, and I guess in a certain way it was kind of this, like, great magnum opus or Gesamtkunstwerk. Um, Perfect. But we came in and I was like, holy shit, this church is still going. <laughs> like, it was like they were having a service. <laughs> and then... They, oh, wait, uh, the service in prayers in deference to the great man who everybody likes. I don't. Oh, oh yeah, yeah. Uh, the revered. The revered oh, yeah, yeah, it was. They were. They were they worshiping. Were pray, they were worshiping the, the revered the higher revered, being whom we all love. Who we all. <laughs> we all love. I guess. Oh man, because I was wondering why would you put polka in, in a, a church? church? But I love. I'm like. I'm sure he loves that idea. Like he was yeah. just like laughing the whole way. Like that is great. Like to put him. He would have been tickled pink, but we came in and at first they had all these like paper bags. Like, and I was like, Oh, is this a wedding or something? We're like intruding on this reception or something. Like they were like gift bags or something. I don't know. Maybe they were luminaries at the end, but they were going. And then we're like all these people here. And I'm like, cause I was doubly confused. I thought it was just a show. And then I was realizing, Oh no, it's the cathedral. He did the, the windows for. And then I'm like, there's a lot of people. I'm like, oh my god! And then like the organ started, and they like it started going. And I was like, we need to get the fuck out of here right now. <laughs> um, and my friend's like, no, let's look at all the windows. And I'm like, they're gonna start praying. They're gonna start. I don't know. It just freaked me out. Like, because I mean, it's like a, it's like one of the main cathedrals down, downtown, city center. I don't know. Uh, Stadt in in der Stadt. Like, I mean, it's it's a you know, it's like a medieval. Der Dom. No. That means the cathedral. Oh, yes. Uh, it's one of, you know, it's it's been there for centuries. And it's, uh, I mean, I guess it would have fit, fit in because I believe uh, Zwingli was like the Swiss Protestant. So, you know, my dad would have been like, very, oh, that's very good. You know, that's like uh, when he was living in England, he found whatever the English equivalent to Luther was and like went to his church. <laughs> Is that uh, King Henry VIII? No, uh, I believe. Oh, fuck. <laughs> okay, well, this is not a podcast about that's Christianity. That's not what we're talking about. It was just the point that we went to this thing, and then there was a service going, and then I was like, "We need to go now," like because I freaked out. Because I was also like, "This isn't my church. I can't. I'm an interloper now in the service." And then like all these like Swiss Christians were like, "No, no, stay for the service. It's okay." Like. <laughs> They were so Com- kind. Comp- you, you, they were so kind. And they inviting. were. They were so kind of and accepting. And then I was like, "We really need to get out of here. Like, go." <laughs> um, yeah, because anyway, it, so- it wasn't like I hate God. It was more like I felt like we're just here as like tourists to look at these art windows. Tourists. Art the tourists, the worst kind of tourists. No, I'm yeah. just kidding. That's the best kind of yeah. tourists. Are you kidding me? Well, we were, we were talking about that too. Where like when we go to another city, we're like, "What would you do if you're not going to see art?" Like I'm in New York, know. and I'm like, "Where would? You, why would you go to New York if you weren't going to go see to see all art. the galleries?" I don't know. I don't know why anyone goes anywhere if it's not to see yeah. art. 
Why would so, you go to church if it's not to look at the stained glass windows? I don't know. We the church. Our son and God rents out a church for high holidays, and there was a stained glass window of Abraham Lincoln freeing a slave. I was Whoa. like, this is awesome. <laughs> that, wow. We could have that picture on our Tumblr, too. Yeah. That would okay. be a great way to segue into our Carol Walker episode. <laughs> <laughs> That's TBD. <laughs> Um, All right. Well, so thank you so much for listening. You can find us on Tumblr at I don't hate this pod where you can see some great pictures that relate to our episodes. Yeah, we will post some more on this one. I don't remember what I said I'd do, but there will maybe be a chipmunk fighting a squirrel. What does that have to do with anything? Uh, it sounds something like he would put in a painting. Yeah, I guess so. Um, you can follow us on Twitter at I don't hate this. Or you can email us at I don't hate this at gmail.com. And also, most excitingly, as of today, we are also available for download on iTunes. Yes. So add us to your iTunes app. Yes. It will automatically show up there every week. So this, every this other has week. been I don't hate this. Who uh, We want to thank some people. Yes, we do. What? Go ahead. Well, I know one of them, but I don't know the other people. We want to yeah. thank you, wanna, listeners. First, we want to thank you for joining us. We want, huh? Sorry, we want to thank. Notes. We want to thank our producer. We want it. Will... You want to tell people to rate and review the oh, show on iTunes? Yes. yes, and that is the voice of the person we want to thank the most, Andre, our producer, who is also the captain of Andre's podcast empire. Um, we want to encourage you to also listen to Noisy Ghost, a podcast podcast about sound and performance that I'm also on and uh, also part of uh, the Callo Media Empire. Network. Um, and it's we another also... good show. <laughs> uh, rate and review on iTunes, I'm being told. <laughs> um, and also, yes. Uh, we wanted to plug Eric's book that he was included in recently. Called How to Write About Contemporary Art. It's available on Amazon.com. And, uh, you know, it's it's self-explanatory, man. Yeah. And, I mean, who knows? Now you'll be in How to Talk About Contemporary Art. How to Talk art. About Contemporary Art. Yeah. Um, how to Cook for Contemporary <laughs> Art. That's uh, that's a wrap. <laughs> <laughs> Did it. <laughs> <laughs>